0: What a way to start the day, eh? I'm Gary, and I'm too stupid to turn the mic on, okay? And I'm glad you're here, because you feel better about yourself after my mistake. No, I really am happy you're here today. Glad you're here, and uh, welcome you back at any time you want to come. We have been taught, oh wait, before I forget, there's one announcement. One announcement. The teenagers have an upcoming teen event, correct? Ooh, they're excited about it. Couldn't you tell? They are playing laser tag on March 1st. And it is an opportunity to invite all your friends to get to be around your Christian friends. So we encourage you to do that. Alrighty? That's more for your parents. So you know they are going to have to have some money ready for that event. Okay? Anyway, we are in the middle of a study of stewardship. Uh, The Bible talks about that we are stewards or managers of our lives, that they really belong to God and everything in our life is actually God's and we are simply managing it while we were here on earth. And we've been discussing this, uh, I think this is about week four or five, five, I believe, of ten or something like that. And today we're going to be talking about what our gifts are. Or not what our gifts are, but and if you notice on the on the screen, there's a title, Living Like a Shark. What is that all about? Can I ask, does anybody else here like the show Shark Tank? You do. I love it. That has become a popular show around our house. The majority of the people there watch it. We talk about it. Um, some of us gather together to watch it. And uh, it's just a fun show. If you're unfamiliar with the show, uh, what the show is, they have five gazillionaires, okay, these guys got bunches of money, and they sit in chairs, and they are the sharks. I'm not sure why they call them sharks, unless it's for a loan shark, okay, if you know what that is from like the mob, they expect a lot of interest, and then you have, I'm not sure what they call them, entrepreneurs, business people, who come onto the show, and they present their idea or their product, they've got some new product, some new idea, some takeoff of an old product. And they are needing money. And they are making a pitch to the sharks for money. And usually it's, it's a non-traditional idea. It may be a, a, some, I mean, it, you've seen everything on there. You've seen fishing bobbers shaped like shotgun shells. What the heck? You know, last night they had a guy on there who was... He had a little... A little a little stand in, I believe, Portland or Seattle, somewhere out there in the Northwest. And he had bicycles with blenders on them. And as you pedaled the bicycle, you pedaled your own smoothie. They didn't give him any money. They did not give him any money. It was, it's just crazy. He had another that has... They called show nose. And I don't remember this. You may, maybe you, some of you, you folks do. You take your kid to the water park or to the beach and they want to change out of their wet swimsuit into dry clothes, and you make them a towel tent? Has anybody done that? And you let your kid change clothes on the beach, you know, inside the towel? Well, this lady came up with the concept of a, she called it show nose, I believe, and she cut a slit in the towel, embroidered around it, and you put it over you like a poncho, and then your kid can change clothes on the beach. I don't know what to do with the side. They didn't show how to close it. And people gave her money. To do this, and now that product is in Disney World's uh, gift shop. Disneyland, Disney World, or gift shop. And it's a very interesting show, guys, because you have people with an idea, with a thought. I mean, and seriously, if you're interested in understanding how business works, or you ever go, hey, man, if I got my own idea, what do I need to do to get it, get it to market? Wonderful, very educational to understand how you get somebody interested in investing in your product. You see, because the sharks, they're not interested in making 5% or 10% or even 100% return on their money. Okay? They've got a lot of money and they want to make a lot more. And so they're interested in how they can make 1,000% on their money. If they're going to invest $100,000 in your company, they don't want to know that they can get their $100,000 back plus another 100000 which would be a good return on your money. They want to know how they can make a million dollars a year off your product. I mean, it is extremely interesting. Now, what does that have to do with our gifts and stewardship? Well, guys, that's what we're going to be talking about today. You see, because the reality of the situation is, the way the people on Shark Tank have an idea, have a... A, uh, a service that they want to offer, that they want to bring to the world. And a lot of them, they're going, and a lot of people believe, I'm going to make the world better with my product. You know, you can pedal your own smoothie, get exercise while you make it. Okay, my kid can, can now change clothes on the beach and not have to go to the, to the locker room. Wow, big deal. But they're saying, I want to make the world better. Well, the, the reality is, and we're talking today about gifts that we've been given by God. And you see, guys, we're going to handle those gifts in either the way that's profitable and successful according to God's standards, or we're not. And guys, that's what we want to talk about today. I'll get to the props here in a minute. If you notice the shark teeth over here, Ryan Donahue made that, by the way. On one day's notice, I might add. That was my fault. Forgive me. But guys, just like the people on Shark Tank that are looking for investors into their company, they have an idea. You have a gift. You have a gift. If you uh, if you notice, there's three facts I'm going to talk about real off the bat. And the first fact I want to talk about is that I have a gift from God. That is a fact. The first verse there in 1 Peter 4.10, it says, God has given each of you a gift from His great Variety of spiritual gifts. Learn, use them to serve one another. And I want you to underline each of you. Okay, he's saying he's given each of you a gift. And I want you to underline that because I want you to think, who is excluded there? Nobody. That means that you have a gift. If you're one of these people who go, oh, I ain't got nothing to give. <laughs> No special talents, I can't sing, can't dance, can't talk on stage, I can't do nothing. You're wrong. (laughs) I know you're wrong because God says you're wrong. God says that He has given you a gift. And guys, the question is, do you believe that or not? You see, because if you don't believe it's a gift from God, you might waste it. And if you believe it from God, it's going to influence how you use it, if you use it, and what kind of return you get on that. Guys, I ask you the question. Can you ask, answer the question real quick? I mean, you know, if somebody put you on the spot, say, what's, how's God gifted you? What gift has God given you? You see, guys, if you don't recognize it, if you don't have an answer, guess what? You won't use it. You need to seek out what that gift is. God will show you. But you've got to believe it. You see, because if you think you don't have a gift or you don't have anything to offer anybody else, guess what? You're disagreeing with God. That's not a good place to be. So I ask you guys, and there's a note there at the bottom that says, I don't choose my gift. You can underline. Go back up to your notes and you can underline or circle the first part of that. It says, God has given. You see, God determines what our gifts are going to be. We don't get to decide. You know, I was a child, I thought I would have liked to have been a singer. That didn't happen. Fortunately, I recognized that. That can be really embarrassing, you know. think, I want the gift of singing. You know, I'm going to pursue it. And I can't sing. Where the, the flip. God gives you your gifts. The second fact, guys, we want to talk about, or we want to keep in mind as we look at this, is that I'm on a mission from God. Yeah, that excites you, doesn't it? I've never seen the movie The Blues Brothers, but I've heard that clip on the radio where they go around, we're on a mission from God. Guys, I just want to tell you, that sounds great, that sounds cool, but you need to know and you need to believe every day when you get up that you are literally on a mission from God. Now, it may not be a mission that ever gets publicized in a book or on TV or on the stage of a church. God doesn't work that. God doesn't tell you it's going to be something that everybody's going to recognize. But He tells you He has a purpose for your life. He has a mission for how you use your gift that He has given you. You see, look in Romans chapter 12, and verse 6. It says, In His grace, God has given us different gifts for doing certain things well. Pay attention to that word, doing. Because that is the reason God gives you gifts. It is not merely to say you have it. It is not to sit on a shelf. It is not to talk about or even just to fantasize about what you could do with that gift. It is about doing something with it. In Ephesians four, this is what it says it says, "He makes the whole body fit together perfectly, as each part does its own special work. It helps the other parts grow so that the whole body is healthy and growing and full of love. So you guys, it's saying was, you do your own do, do, do you feel that way? Do you feel like you have your own special work? That's what it says, as each part. He's talking about uh, the church. He's talking about the members of the church, the people that make up the church. And he's saying, as each part, if you consider yourself a part of the church, and I don't mean that in an exclusive kind of way, but you're a follower of Jesus and a member of His kingdom, you are part of the church, He's given you a gift. He's got a special work for you to do. Do you believe it? Do you believe it? See, because if you don't believe it, what happens? You don't do anything. You don't do your own special work. And you know what happens if you don't do your own special work? Look at the passage. It says that if you do your special work, the whole body is healthy and growing and full of love. What happens if you don't do your special work? The whole body is not healthy. The church is not full of love and growing and healthy. See, guys, that's a challenge. It's a fact. God's given you a gift and he's given you a mission. And the question is, are you going to recognize the gift and use the gift for his mission? Third fact, before we get into the meat of the lesson. For those of you who think I'm moving rather quickly for notes that don't fill up the page. (laughs) Second part I like to talk about. Fact three. I will have to explain my actions. Anybody here ever see the old I Love Lucy show? Lucy, you got some splaining to do. Guys, Literally. God's given you a gift. God has given you a mission. And He's going to ask you when He comes back how you've done with that. We're going to read this whole passage here in a minute. But in Matthew chapter 25, verses 14-19, this is what it says. Again, the kingdom of heaven can be illustrated by the story of a man going on a long trip. After a long time, their master returned from his trip and called them to give an account of how they had used His money. Guys, if you're a follower of Jesus, Jesus has entrusted you with things. And I know that the story is about money, or it uses money as an illustration, but it's not talking exclusively about money. Because some of you are going, oh, I didn't get mine. Right? I didn't get as much as somebody else. Money is just an illustration. Money applies. God is going to ask you how you use your income. God is going to ask you how you used your family. He's going to ask you how you used your gifts. And we are going to have to explain what we did with the gifts that God has given us. Now I want to I want to, I want, to I want to back up just a minute real quick cuz I do want to explain something. I'm not I'm not a hell and hell and brimstone fire, fire kind of guy when it comes to me being up here. I like to say I'm a talker, not a preacher. And when you talk about this, you're gonna have to answer to God. You're like, oh, buddy, I better do something right now. I better get where I'm supposed to be right now. Says the master was going on a long trip. Okay? And one of the facts about God that I didn't list in his notes is God's a patient God. God doesn't expect you to get to the to be there to be where he wants you to get right now. He is a patient God. Now we're gonna be talking about Challenging you to make some progress, <laughs> okay? But I want to make sure I understood, you understood that. Because it says the Master was on a long trip. If you've got your Bibles with it and you want to turn to Matthew chapter 25, I guess you don't need to because it's going to be on the screen, I hope. There you go. Thank you, Jill. Guys, I want to read this parable to you. And this is a parable that Jesus told, and it's talking about Him coming back and the servants. Beginning in verse 14, it says, again, the kingdom of heaven can be illustrated by the story of a man going on a long trip. He called together his servants and entrusted his money to them while he was gone. He gave five bags of silver to one, two bags of silver to another, and one bag of silver to the last, dividing it in proportion to their abilities. He then left on his trip. Just a side note, guys, back to what we were talking about earlier, about the God determines what your gift is. You know, notice how He gave one five bags, one two, one one. According to their ability. God knows who you are. He's gifted you. He determines it. Going on, it says, The servant who received the five bags of silver began to invest the money and earned five more. The servant with two bags of silver also went to work and earned two more. But the servant who received the one bag of silver dug a hole in the ground and hid the master's money. After a long time, their master returned from his trip and called them to give account of how they had used his money. The servant to whom he had entrusted the five bags of silver came forward with five more and said, Master, you gave me five bags of silver to invest. I have earned five more. The master was full of praise. Well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful in handling this small amount, so now I will give you many more responsibilities. I'm not sure that's a reward. You know, for a guy who struggled with laziness, I go, oh, maybe I won't do as good next time. Anyway, back to the passages. Here's my... Let's celebrate together. Okay, verse 22. The servant who had received the two bags of silver came forward and said, Master, you gave me two bags of silver to invest and I've earned two more. The master said, well done, my good and faithful servant. You have been faithful in holding this small amount. So now I will give you many more responsibilities. Let's celebrate together. Then the servant with the one bag of silver came and said, Master, I knew you were a harsh man. Harvesting crops you didn't plant, gathering crops you didn't cultivate. I was afraid I would lose your money, so I hid it in the earth. Look, here is your money back. But the master replied, you wicked and lazy servant. If you knew I harvested crops I didn't plant and gathered crops I didn't cultivate, why didn't you deposit my money in the bank? At least I could have gotten some interest on it. Then he ordered, take the money from the servant and give it to the one with the ten bags of silver. To those who use well what they are given, even more will be given, and they will have an abundance. But from those who do nothing, even what little they have will be taken away. Now throw this useless servant into outer darkness, where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Guys, we're going to do something a little bit different today. You know, normally we go through those notes and you fill in the blanks, and about the time you fill in the last blank, you know me, your tenor, is getting done, and you start folding everything up. I'm going to give you all the answers today, and then we're going to talk about them. How's that sound? Just to be different. It's a little risky, I know. I tried it with the teacher's service, and it was successful, so here we go. I'm going to give you the answers. I know this is going to throw Pat for a loop in the back and all his... uh, Verses, but that's the way it goes. No risk, no reward. First answer for the level of activity is no activity. That's fearful, wicked, and lazy. The second activity. Minimally active. Minimally active. This is the least faithful option we have. Where the first one was totally faithless, let's say that. I hadn't planned for what to do while everybody was writing down, so. <laughs> Smaller blank. Okay, I'll work on that later. Third level is entrepreneurially active. Yeah, you're going to have to look up here for that one. But that's right. If you're wondering, it didn't get red under, underlined in red, so it's right. And guys, what I wanted to do, I wanted to talk about these three, three levels of activity. And talk about them. I didn't want to just go through them one at a time because I want to bounce between them. I want to draw comparisons between the different levels. And Jesus talks about all three of these levels in, in his parable. And if you'll notice up here, that is the purpose of our, of our three props. Okay? Over here, we've got the treasure chest with the shovel, representing the no activity where you bury your gift. Over on the right, over here, we have the shark jaws. And this represents the faithful, the good and faithful servants. And I'm going to call them spiritual sharks. Okay? Just like the guys on Shark Tank that don't expect just to get a little bit of return on your money. We want, God expects a big investment. He expects us to live like sharks. Those were the, those were the servants that He praised as well done, good and faithful And He's going to give more responsibilities to. Because they've been faithful with a little, He'll entrust them with more. Now the third level of activity, I don't know if you noticed it in the story. It's a level that honestly, I have not paid attention to. It's a a part of the story that I've just kind of read past until about three weeks ago when God opened my eyes to it. And it's where Jesus is talking to the third servant who, who, who buried his money. And what does it say? He says at least... The least you could have done was put it on deposit at the bank. So we have got a big bag of money up here representing deposit. It's not there's not money in there, okay? okay so in there's a little kid, it's, that's why it's still there. That is correct. That is correct. Um, but guys, th- he talks about there being three levels of activity in this story. You take your pick. There's do nothing. There's do the least amount. Or just live like a shark. You be faithful and get a good return on what he's offered. Now, guys, you need to understand. When you talk about, ident- I, I, I'm not going to talk today about identifying what your gift is or how you go about identifying what your gift. You're going to be doing that in your in your discipleship groups throughout the week. You know this study that we've got on this, on, on stewardship that we're going through. You're going through individually and talking about. That's the third lesson that we're, we're some of you on. I know we're not all on the same um, pace going through that. But that's what you do individually. I, I just want to talk about what do you do with your gift? If you find you have a gift, God says you have a gift, what are you doing with it? You see, there's, there's some characteristics that go into this. Why did this guy bury his, the guy that did nothing with his money? Why did he bury it? it says he, was, he says he was afraid. He didn't want to lose the master's money. That sounds like a good, good approach, doesn't it? I don't want to lose your money. The master didn't accept that. All right, now what, 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 is, what does this represent? There's, there's no activity over here. See, guys, this is playing it safe. This is taking no risk whatsoever. Okay? That's what it's about. I, I, how many of you remember, how many of you guys remember as a teenager? There was a girl you wanted to ask out and you never asked her out. Well, why did you never ask her out? Is it, no, it wasn't shy. Because it, you, you thought, she. you afraid, she'd say no. There was a risk. If she told you no, you faced rejection. You lost. Guys, it's safer to bury your talent. It's safer to do nothing with it. That's all there is to it. Guys, it's safer. The second one, he says the least you could have done was put it on deposit at the bank. Now, what's the difference between putting it on deposit at the bank and burying it? Very little. How much work is involved in depositing it on the bank? I, 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 guess, I guess you could qualify it as work as taking your money to the bank, right? I mean, I guess you could qualify it that way, but that's not what I call work. How about anybody else? No, that's not work. How much risk is there involved in putting it in the bank? No, there's not. There's something called the FDIC, right? It insures you up to, what, $100,000? Maybe more? Does anybody have that much in the bank? I'm sorry. Don't raise your hand if you do. You might get mobbed. I'm just guessing that not many of us do. If a bank fails today, the FDIC is an insurance company or the federal government insurance company that says you get your money back if the bank fails. And that day, that didn't exist. So there was a risk. A bank in that day was somebody who basically said, I'll take the risk. And if I make the big bucks, like the shark over here, guess what? You only get a poor part of it. There was a little bit of a risk involved. No work involved. And there was a little bit of a return. Does anybody know what the interest rate is on a 12-month CD today? 1.5? Is that accurate? It's not much. Can we say that? It's not much. I kind of have an ongoing thing with my father-in-law. Um, when I get a loan from him, it's at 3%. You know why? Because that's more than he gets at the bank. The bank right now does not give you the best interest rates. Anybody who wants to make their money grow knows what? The bank ain't the best place to do it. There are other ways to make more return on your money than the bank. But it's safe. Now, it's important to notice what did Jesus say. This is better than this. Okay? What about the third one? What's this, this living like a shark thing all about? The good and faithful servant. What, what was the difference between this and this? Big risk. Big risk. You can lose your money. When you go to, a, has anybody ever lost any money in the stock market? Has anybody ever decided they were, could be a day trader, and they could they could do it? You lost money, Bob. A lot of money. <laughs> I can't see you risking a lot of money, Bob. <laughs> That's smart, by the way. You learn with a little. But guys, living like a shark means what? You're you're gonna, the good and faithful servant. Took risks. They. They put it to work. If you check your notes there in that passage, that's what it says in Matthew 25, 16 17. It said, The servant who received the five bags of silver began to invest the money and earned five more. The servant with two bags of silver also went to work and earned two more. Guys, this is, there's work involved over here. If you're going to use your gift to get the best rate of return the way God wants you to, guess what? You're going to have to work. You're going to have to take risks and you're going to have to work. Now, <laughs> somebody's computer up here said exclamation points. I thought somebody said it. So You're going to have to work. Exclamation point. They went to work. You see, guys, now what is this all about? We, we know very clearly that when you look at these, these this situation here, that doing nothing means what? It means what? just what it says, do nothing. If you look at yourself and say, I don't have a gift, you're doing nothing. If you look and you can't see any activity in your life, any reward, any fruit for what the way you're using the gifts that God's given you, you're over here doing nothing. Now, this middle one over here, this is... This is what really piqued my curiosity three weeks ago. You see, because what does that mean to put it on deposit at the bank? I mean, I understand putting it to work and making more money. But spiritually, what does this mean? If I have a gift that God's given me, how do I put it on deposit at the bank? And I've talked with Tim and Alan, and I had to run it past them, because what I'm about to say is a little different than what we've traditionally taught around here. Okay? What happens when you put your money on deposit at the bank? You are giving it to somebody else to use. And guys, what I'm offering to you is that's what Jesus is talking about when he's saying, at least put your money on deposit at the bank. Let somebody else use your talent, is what it's saying. And I believe that what falls into that category is letting the church help you direct your talent. Letting the church use your gift. Now, I want to be clear here. As Tim was talking with Tim, Tim Combeck was going to here. you're not going to tell them that's a bad thing, are you? You're not going to try to discourage them. from Because right now, we could use some, some volunteers. We could use some, some people working. And no, I'm not. Because if you're over here, Jesus says this is the first place you should start. Okay, if you're doing nothing and you're saying, I'm not doing anything with a spiritual gift. I'm not doing anything to help other people. Let us know. And you want to? You want to start? Let us know. But understand, that's not where you should camp out at. Okay, maybe you should say that's not where you should settle down. But it's a a starting point. If you say you're doing nothing, at least do this. At least bring your talent to somebody else and say, hey, can you show me how to use this? Can you tell me what to do with this? You see, now guys, what is the difference when you talk about Putting it on deposit with the bank because I believe traditionally here at Greater Alton as a church we've been the bank saying hey come bring us your talents and we'll use them and I believe and what I believe that's done is it's prevented us from taking risks and going out as individuals now Gary what are you talking about how is that well let me let me give you a few illustrations okay how many of you have in your when, in your evangelizing and you're telling other people about Jesus have you thought God's given you the urge to invite somebody or to share with somebody. And, and you go, man, I would have done it, but I didn't have a card. Remember, we printed up cards. to invite them to Bible talk or cross chat or the church. Not condemning cards. Okay? But when you say, hey, I can only do it if I have a card. You know, well, when are we going to get some cards printed up? You know, there's been times when there's no cards. I can't share my face. I don't have a card. I've said it. I've thought it. I've done it. Okay? You see, in the New Testament, it doesn't say anything about a card or a cross chat or a Bible talk. What it says is they shared the good news of the kingdom of God. And they shared about Jesus Christ. Now, how do you describe your evangelism? Do you describe your evangelism as inviting somebody, or as I shared the good news of the kingdom of God? I invited somebody, or I shared Jesus with them. Which describes your level of activity? You see, because sometimes guys we don't know what to do. Well, you know, there's this person I've been sharing my faith with, and they're busy on Tuesday nights when we have cross chat or when we have small group, and they can't come. What should I do? You see, because traditionally, and we get in this mindset, we get in this rut where you invite somebody, they come to an event, or, or and cross chat, Bible talk, Sunday morning service, and then we get them into a Bible study, a very specific set of Bible studies, and then they become a Christian, right? And if it falls outside of that pattern, what do we do? <laughs> you know, our heads start shaking, all right? I love, I love the story of Jordan Rogers. You know, you talk about studying the Bible with people and becoming Christians, he was met in a bar where some of the brothers here went to sing karaoke. I know, that's all I know of the story. That's the fun part right there. But guys, the point is, are you taking risks on your own, doing things out of yourself? Are you waiting for the church to tell you what to do and give you an opportunity? Does that make sense? A few years ago, we, we did a wonderful little deal. You know, we got all these things we go through, these 40 days of purpose and, and uh, 40 days of better relationships with Jesus. And, and there was one called Outflow. Y'all remember that? And we were trying to share the love of Jesus in a practical way, you know. And we, that was when we started buying dinner for the car behind you at the restaurant, right? Before Joy FM started it. We were ahead of the curve. And you were doing all that stuff. You are giving out people bottles of water. And we're just trying to share the love of Jesus in a practical way. You know, of you might say, you know, this is a thing our church is doing. I heard people say, this is a thing our church is doing. Here you go. And we're trying to share the love of Jesus in a practical way. And, I'm like, well, and that's fine. That's good. Okay, those are good things. How many of you still do that? How many of you share the love of Jesus in a practical way when the church ain't doing it? Frankie, as he's raising his hand back there. <laughs> Guys, I don't know of any. I don't know of anybody that became a Christian from Outflow. If you do, if you do, you do, let me know. But I don't know of anybody that did. Okay, guys, you don't have to wait for the church to tell you what to do. I think it's going to be much more powerful. I use I use the the, the Outflow stuff. Some I told you the story uh, several months ago about the guy that I was putting a windshield in for, and he was telling me he had a really rough way to go uh, financially. He was redoing an old truck because his new truck, new car blew an engine, the guy put it on my heart. He said, "You know, Gary, you give this guy the windshield, do it for free." And I went up and told the guy this windshield's for free, and i used I used outflow and what I learned from not a fan. I used put the two together. It was really cool. i said I went up to him and I said, "There's no charge for this, and he got shocked and I said, I'm a follower of Jesus. See, that's what they talk about not a fan. I'm a follower of Jesus. I'm not a fan of Jesus. I'm a follower of Jesus. And Jesus has taken care of me in some rough spots. And I think He wants you to have some help right now. And the guy got all teary-eyed and he started opening up to me about the real big problems in his life. And it was the most amazing thing about three weeks later, I had this thought, man, I need to call him and see how he's doing. I just need to follow up with him. And I happened later on in the day, I'm driving down the road and a guy's hanging out the window waving at me. And it's him. And so we turn around and we pull over and we talk. And it was the most echoed. Man, I was just thinking about calling you. Why? Just to see how you're doing. And he says, I did not believe in God till that day. I've never had that happen, putting a card in somebody's face. I mean, I just haven't had it. That hasn't happened to me that way. Now, the sad part is, that's the only story I got like that. And I'm serious, guys. That's a great story, but guess what? I wish Tim and I could stand up here and tell a story every week that we knew or somebody else had done just like that. That we're what? We're going outside, but we're taking a risk. I'm taking a risk. What's this guy going to do? Is he going to abuse my generosity? Is he going to take that cash and go buy drugs? You know, what is he going to do with that? That's not my responsibility. My responsibility is to be faithful to Jesus and to take the risk. And I just want to tell you guys, that's what living like a shark is all about. You want to say, how do I live like a shark? Let 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 me tell you this. Every business class I ever took defines the word entrepreneur one way. Two words. You know what it is? Risk taker. Risk taker. I remember that from ninth grade at East Junior High in Alton. Introduction to modern business. Entrepreneur, risk taker. Guys, let me... Today I actually looked up the word entrepreneur to see what a dictionary said. Here's what it says. A person who organizes and manages stewards, any enterprise especially a business usually with considerable initiative and risk. You see guys, we're talking about risk but there's also this idea of initiative. You see, because here's the deal. If you're using your gift over here you're not having initiative. You're waiting for the church to tell you what to do. Are you waiting for somebody else to tell you what to do? You're waiting for somebody else to use your gift or talent. Over here, you're taking initiative. You're taking initiative on your own. And the Bible, I don't have time to get into all this, but the way the Bible defines taking initiative is that you are led by the Holy Spirit, that you are sensitive to the Holy Spirit's leading. I wish I could say I come up with that idea all on my own that if I give this guy a windshield, he will believe in the Lord. That's not what happened. And I wrestled with it. Like in this thought, I should give him the windshield. I should give him the windshield. I should give him the windshield. And then I had a decision to make. It wasn't me just taking initiative. It was whether I was going to be obedient to the Holy Spirit leading in my life. You see, guys, that's what the initiative is. And here's the thing, if you're not looking for the Holy Spirit to lead you, guess what? You'll miss it. You'll miss it. You'll be looking back over here. What am I supposed to do? Where can I work? Where can I work? We have, uh, here at Greater Alton, uh, over the last couple years, we have, it's been a struggle to make the budget. Is that a fair way to say that? Money's been tight. In fact, I was told this morning that we need a contribution of $7,700 a day to make, make the budget for the week. That's a side note. You do what you want with that. Um, as we've talked, Tim and Alan and I, as elders, we all three agree, we want to do one of the things that bothers us. I mean, we're strapped with this building payment. You know, we wish we could go back 12, 12, 13 years and do things differently. Okay? The reality is we didn't, so here we are. Building payment and maintenance and everything eats us up. And what bothers us the most about that is we feel like we're really being unfaithful to what God says is true religion. And that's taking care of the poor. Okay? Now, here's the question. I mean, and that bothers I And we agree, collectively, we, we, it is our long-range goal to get our budget cleared up to where we are more generous with the poor than we are with taking care of a building, okay? But here's the deal. Nobody can say, because the church bound by this building, I can't help the poor. You know what I'm, You understand what I'm saying? I have to decide. I can help the poor. I can do that without... The church's money. I, I stumbled on $161 last fall. We bought we bought a, 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 an old car wash. And the other owner, who squeaks when he walks, left $161 in quarters where he couldn't see it. And I found it. <laughs> Took me a month, but I found it. And I was telling one of my sons about it. And he goes, we need to take that money and do something fun with it. And I said, I am. I'm giving it to a lady who needs help with her rent. See, guys, I don't have to wait for the church to do that. I can take initiative and risk all on my own. And you see, guys, the truth is for you, too, to be able to do that. I want to show you something else here. I don't know if you noticed some of these quick trip cups sitting out on the uh, information booth out here. This is something we had at our last family devotional. This is a deal my wife uh, came up with. It's got a little thing on here that says quick change. Get it, quick trip. Quick change. Okay? And it's got a little slit where you can put your change in it every day. All right? And it's got a Bible verse from James 1.21. says, pure and genuine religion in the sight of God the Father means caring for orphans and widows in their distress. And my wife has stumbled on a friend of ours that's also a follower of Jesus that has a connection in India with an orphanage. She's actually been there and visited it. We've sent a little bit of money over. And she thought it would be a great idea if we could pass these out and ask people to join us in um, uh, you know, collecting your change. Because change is nothing to us, but it's a lot over there, right? And so we were doing this the last family devotional. We had this, and we were telling parents, Hey, look. Here's a great idea for a family devotional. You can sit and look at this verse and you can talk about with your kids what can you do as a family to help the poor? And you can even say, here's a way we're going to start. And Susan and I had a discussion. We had a discussion. And the discussion was, do we ask them to give it to the children in India? Or do we say, you can give it to the children in India. Or you can find a need that you see, and you can take initiative and give the money there. You see the difference? We've got to be, we're giving you an opportunity. See, because a lot of people do will approach that as a requirement. Well, this is what we're supposed to do. Give me my cup. Let me put my change in. There's my month's worth of money, and there's no heart involved. There's no helping the poor. It's just, oh well, the church wants me to do it. Church, here you go. Here you go. I'm doing it. There's my change. That's not what Jesus wants. Okay, that's a little return on his investment. He wants a big return on his investment. And you see, guys, here's the deal. If you go do this on your own, if you say, wow, I'm going to do that. That's a great idea. But I see this family over here that doesn't hardly get enough food to eat. And I'm going to do that. You'll probably keep doing that. You'll probably keep helping that family. You see, you'll give a much bigger return to Jesus than if you just do what somebody else gives you an opportunity for. And by the way, these are sitting out there because if you want one, you want to join us, or if you want to do it yourself, I think it's a wonderful time. You may, based on what we're saying, you may say, I'm going to start doing that, and I'm going to ask God, God, where can I give this money to? Show me somebody who needs this. You see, guys, you can get a little investment or you can get a big investment. If you're getting no money return right now, if you're not using your gift at all, by all means, start here. I'm, I, don't want, I know it sounds like I'm saying uh, we should be over there because we should be over there. All right. But if you're doing nothing, start here. Jesus said this is the least. That means it's where you start. OK, look for some return on the gifts that he's given you. Guys, there's two stories in the Bible. I encourage you to go back and read them. One is in 1 Samuel 14. The other is in Acts chapter 8. And both these stories are of individuals who were spiritual sharks. who Who did not wait for the crowd, the church, the people of God to act. They took initiative and they took risk on their own. The one is in 1 Samuel 14, where Jonathan, who is the king's son, and he is, the they're, they're, the people are oppressed by the Philistines, and the Philistines laugh at him and they make a mockery of them. And Jonathan's a guy that doesn't want to sit back and do nothing. His dad, the king, is sitting back doing nothing, and David ta- or Jonathan takes initiative. I mean, it's just incredible to read the story. And I encourage you to go back and read it. The other one is in Acts chapter 8. And a guy named Philip. I don't know if you're familiar with Philip or not. Um, it's a great story. If you've ever studied about the Ethiopian eunuch, Philip is the guy who studied the Bible with him. And um, what it is, is Philip was preaching. He was leading people to Jesus in a very powerful way. Large numbers We're coming to Jesus. And the Holy Spirit says, go down to this desert road. That's all it tells him is go down to a desert road. And there there was a chariot with a guy reading the Bible on it. And it says, the Spirit told him, go stay near that chariot. Now understand, guys, he is leaving a church. He is leaving a thriving ministry to follow the Spirit's leading to one person. To one person. And I, I wish I had a video of that scene. I mean, seriously, I mean, I know it doesn't exist, but God has it. Because I want to know how long he had to follow, how, to, how long he had to run along behind that chariot before the God spoke to him. You know, how long did he ask, how long before he read something that Philip could say, hey, do you, do you understand what you're reading? Guys, it, it's just so amazing because he didn't stick with the status quo. He didn't do, he didn't ask the church's approval. The Holy Spirit said go. And what did he do? He went. Now, can you imagine when he gets back and he tells this story and they say, well, where's he at? What do you mean, where's he at? Well, why didn't you bring him back? Shouldn't he be here with us? Don't you know what 1 Corinthians 12 says about being part of the body? No, I sent him back to Ethiopia. See, guys, I don't don't know exactly what happened, but history tells us that that man went out and told the whole nation of Ethiopia about Jesus. Because one man took initiative and took risks, and didn't stick with just the status quo. Guys, in your life, the Holy Spirit's trying to work. He's trying to get you to use your gift to build each other up and to tell people about Jesus. My question is, where are you at? As we close out today, which stop are you in of these three? I mean, can can you... if you're over here, all I can ask you is be honest about it and understand this isn't what Jesus wants you. He wants you to be doing something. If you're here, understand that's, that's, this is acceptable. This is the least. But He wants you to take some more initiative. He wants you to live like a spiritual shark. So guys, as we close out, and you're writing on your little card, I encourage you just to write down where you see yourself being. You see, I met with uh, Robert Vogel and Jason Law last Thursday evening. And we were discussing the second lesson from the stewardship. You know, we were talking about the shrewd manager. Some of you have probably done that. Looked through in, in Luke 16. And it's a wonderful, challenging study, by the way. And it talks about how we need to be shrewd. We need to not just expect a little return for our investment. We need to go after big returns. And we were talking how I mean, we just focused in. We usually focus in on one thing from a lesson like that. And we talked about, how are you being shrewd? And I just had to be honest. I had to say, guys, I'm spotty. What does that mean? He goes, I'm, I don't do it. I can't say I'm a shrewd person when it comes to using what God has given me materially for the kingdom, for spiritual needs. I, I do it. But I'm not nearly as consistent as what I believe you wanted to do. Like I told you, I've got one story about this free windshield. I'm spotty. Guys, what I'm asking you to do when you fill out that card is recognize where you're at. And make a commitment to, to move. To make progress towards living like a spiritual shark like God wants you. Let's pray.